When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bear. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Tuesday, June 14th, 2022 is bear. If you've been reading articles, you've seen that yesterday it was officially told to us we are in a bear market. Bear market, bull market. Bear market is when the market's down 20%. And I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you all. What age are you? We're going to talk about being 30, 40, 50, 60, and 70. Five ages, 30 through 70. And then we're going to correlate your age to the concern you should have over what the market is doing right now. 30 years old, bear market, do nothing, you're fine. Only the people who are inexperienced and don't understand do panic selling, and all of a sudden you're selling at the bottom and then you're really screwed. Do nothing if you're 30. If you're 40, do nothing. Don't sell, be calm. If you're 50, do nothing. Don't panic, don't sell. If you're 60, this is an important one, do nothing, don't panic, don't sell. But if you're 70, don't panic, do nothing, don't sell. Why is it that I'm telling everyone what to do during a bear market? Because one of the most common things of how people lose their money, you know, in gambling, when you lose your money, when you chase at the four o'clock NFL games, like, oh my God, I lost $300 in the one o'clock games. I'm going to double it during the four o'clock games. Oh, I didn't do well. Boom. I got an eight o'clock game. You think it's sort of weird that the NFL does one o'clock, four o'clock and eight o'clock? Chase, chase, chase. Chasing Amy doesn't work. The difference between being 30 and 70 should be your asset allocation. When you are 30, you should be invested mostly in stocks, just a little bit of bonds. And then as you get older, you change it from more stocks to fewer stocks and fewer bonds to more bonds. Why? Because stocks are volatile. Stocks go up, stocks go down. You've got bull markets, you've got bear markets. If you've never lived through a bear market, if you don't remember the last bear market, and you've never experienced one, what you're experiencing now is something that you will look back on when you are older and you will say, yeah, that sucked, but then there was a recovery. The stock market is like a roller coaster, up, down, but it goes up and down in steps where over time it is higher than where it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We're in a bear market, right? The Dow's at 
30,000, the S&P's at 4,000, whatever the number is, go back five years, 10 years, and look to see where the down the S&P were. The way that casinos make money off you, the way that bookies make money off you, the way that the gambling sites, the online gambling sites make money off you is that A, you don't have enough money to be around for when things are better, to when you are picking games better, or you chase and you don't know how to manage your money. The best thing to do during a bear market, by the way, is to have cash and use it to invest. You can average down your investments. Why am I telling you this? Because it's important, when I was at Morgan Stanley, we used to, they used to teach us, they say, listen, when the market's down, you know, you gotta make sure you're in touch with your clients. You gotta try to get new clients because clients are very upset because they are blaming their old money managers and their old firms, right? They're blaming them for the fact that their portfolios are down and they're more apt and more willing to be poached. So I would always work harder when the market would go down, right? Because you have a chance to make more money off people and their insecurities say, hey, we're way better than Goldman. If you were with us, the market would not be in a bear market. Think about it. It's so ridiculous. It makes me laugh. But the smartest investors are the ones who don't even need your call. They don't need their handheld. They don't need to be told everything's going to be okay because they understand what markets do. So these are stock markets where you have shares in a company, bond markets, which are in theory much, much safer. Sports teams and other businesses have cash management. Cash management is when you are investing what your cash reserves are that are not needed for the operation. So for example, universities have an endowment or other big companies or any companies have an amount of cash that they don't need to operate their, their business and they want to invest. And they have an investment committee sometimes or they have the CEO or they have a group of people, the CFO, who get together and decide what the allocation of that investment is going to be. For individuals, it's much easier. Individual investment is based on time horizon. If you are young, in theory, actuarially speaking, you've got, doesn't always work out that way as we know, but you've got a long life ahead of you, which means you can withstand the bear and be around for the bull. If you are closer to retirement when you're starting to invest, that money should be invested far more conservatively because you want to be able to retire with generally the money that you have saved to retire growing at a more conservative, smaller rate. You remember back 14 years ago, some of you may not actually, but during the housing crisis, during the 2008 recession, some people called it a bear. I called it a recession. I, people called it a housing bubble. In Florida, you just call it because Florida. There were people in Florida, people around the country who had to delay their retirement. They were about to retire. But if you're about to retire when a recession comes, it just means don't sell. It just means you've got to work more, longer bad timing, life goes on, it's how it goes. And I don't mean to sound harsh, but that's the rules of engagement. You don't know what the world will be like when you are ready to start wor stop working. So carpe diem, folks. But when you run a team, you do cash management, and we would meet with our CFO, and he'd tell us what he was doing. You would do some, you'd have cash on hand for immediate liquidity. You'd have some 60-day, 120-day treasuries, which means you're investing really in the government, which now 
you might as well keep it in your mattress because the interest rates were so low, but they're getting higher. And what you're doing is you are planning for what happens if things that we've budgeted for, revenue that we've budgeted for doesn't happen and expenses become fixed, not variable. A fixed expense is a player on a guaranteed contract. A fixed expense is an executive on a guaranteed contract. A player on a guaranteed contract, his fixed expense is the amount of money that that player makes more than the market would bear in a trade scenario. So for example, when you've got Steven Strasburg of the Washington Nationals, let's say he's making $30 million and he stinks and he's hurt. There is no one who will trade for Steven Strasburg for getting a no trade clause and take on his 30 million. You would say that right now, people would trade for Steven Strasburg and maybe pay him 3 million. So 27 million of his contract is fixed, 3 million is variable. A gym membership that's cancelable within 30 days that you pay $50 a month for, $50 is fixed cost because even if you cancel today, you're down 50. And the rest of the year, which is $500, 12 times 50 is $600 minus the month you're doing. But so the rest of your year, that's variable because you can quit your gym membership. So when we're looking at revenues and expenses running a team, we break down all player contracts, what they're being paid versus what they would get on the, in the market if we put them out to trade. Remember, if you release a player, you're still paying him his full contract. So the only way you save money in a guaranteed contract is trading the player and having that person take all the money and then all of a sudden you've got that savings minus the amount that you pay to the player to take his place on the roster, of course. Then you look at revenue. Fixed revenue is season ticket holder revenue, those who have paid their season tickets in advance. Sponsors, when you sign a 10-year, $50 million deal, you've got a sponsor paying you $5 million a year. What do you think is fixed revenue versus expected revenue? Well, when they pay you $5 million for 2022, that becomes fixed revenue. No matter how badly your team stinks, no matter what happens in the world, that $5 million is yours. But the rest of the $45 million, that is not fixed revenue. That's expected revenue. Expected revenue for me is, hey, we've got a contract. I expect that I'll get that money. I'm budgeting to get that money, but I better keep enough cash on hand because what if I don't get that money? When you are budgeting for your team, you actually have a category of unpaid accounts. Unpaid accounts are people who have gotten a service from you who have not paid for that service and you cannot take away the service that you gave to them. So if you've got a sponsor who's got a payment plan, a one-year sponsor for a million dollars, and they're going to pay you $100,000 a month for 10 months. But in return, you are giving them an outfield wall sign. Well, the first 30 games happen, and their name has been on the outfield wall. They pay you the 100 grand the first month, the second month, and then the third month, they don't pay. You keep the outfield wall sign fence on the fence, and you say, pay me. They don't pay you. Another month goes by. You say, listen, what's going on? 
you now owe us $200,000. And they say, yes, check's in the mail. You keep the outfield sign on the wall. Then you realize they're not going to pay you. Like there's Sir Pizza at the new ballpark. You're not going to get paid. God, side note, Coca, when we opened Marlins Park, we met with a bunch of different companies to figure out who was going to be our concessionaire. We hired a concessionaire, and then we decided that we wanted, we actually interviewed Barton G to be our concessionaire at the new ballpark. We ended up going with Levy, and Barton G is a great restaurant. I don't know if they're still open in Miami. Barton G is the name of a real guy, and we thought that it would be so different and so cool, but it turns out that they were just not able to be a concessionaire. There's such a huge barrier to entry to cater a stadium that we thought would have 30,000 people. Ironically, if we knew then what we knew now, which is we wouldn't draw a lot of fans, we may have been more apt to hire Barton G because he was more able to handle smaller crowds. That's sort of funny, Coca. So you've got a company that is paying you money. They stop paying you money. And you say to yourself, what do we do with this? You ask them for money. They say no. You ask them again. They say no. Then all of a sudden, you find out they're not going to pay you. So in the old ballpark, in the new ballpark, Marlins Park, we're going around looking for different companies. And I want it to be different, right? Every stadium I go to, they have Domino's or Papa John's or some other such crap. And there was a local company called Sir Pizza. And we thought, (laughs) sorry about that. I don't know what just happened. Coca, can you get rid of that? Okay. So we thought, we did a pizza testing, tasting. We said, this is different. It'll be Miami. It's a Miami-based company. They signed a sponsorship deal. We had Sir Pizza Pizzas, for those of you who were at the ballpark in 2012. I don't remember whether it was 2013. And all of a sudden, they just stopped paying, and they went bankrupt. And they owed us money. So we had to do a very quick deal with Papa John's. I don't know if that's still at Marlins Park, but Papa John's is obviously ordinary crap pizza. And then we were just another schnook, right? Selling crap pizza. So you can sue Sir Pizza, which we did. You can go after season ticket holders who owe you money but don't pay. Sweet holders who signed a contract who don't pay. Not just the Marlins. All teams do this. It just doesn't become public, though sometimes it does. And the reason why you are suing people to get the money they owe you is that you don't want people to ever believe that they can make a deal, get a service, and not pay for it, and that you're just going to walk away because you're too lazy, don't care enough, and don't want to spend the lawyer's fees. So, what about all of these companies who have been dealing with the cryptocurrency companies? What about the crypto companies who told you, hey, we're good, we've got all sorts of cash, we're not related to the US dollar, we're not related to bear markets or bull markets or the equity or even the bond market, we are totally separate and apart, and as a matter of fact, we're a safe haven. If you're smart, you're gonna invest in cryptocurrency. If you're in Miami, you're gonna get Miami coin. Can you imagine what a dope the mayor is in Miami? His name is Francis Suarez. He is absolutely not capable of being a mayor, not worthy of being a mayor. He came out recently and said, we're so into Miami coin. We're so married to it that guess what? 
we're going to come a time when we're going to be giving crypto to all of our citizens and they're going to make so much money that we're not even going to have to charge taxes. We're not going to levy taxes. Miami will be a tax-free city. Meanwhile, Miami coin is like down 98%. I think if you invested $1,000 in Miami coin, you've got enough to buy a Charms lollipop. I used to love the Charms. When, side note on the Charms lollipop, do you guys still, Coca, do those exist anymore? Charms lollipops have gum in the middle and they're a hard lollipop on the outside. One of the biggest questions of my elementary and high school career is at what point do you bite the charms lollipop to get to the gum i doubt they exist anymore but if you bite too early it can be too hard but at the end of the day it's charms that's what it's called oh it's a blow pop it's a charms blow pop thank you coca it is by charms though my recollection is charms it is a blow pop so if you bite too early it gets a little hard to worry about chip the teeth but you get the crunchy candy but not the gum then you can see the gum and then you sort of bite around it but if you suck enough and i don't mean like on the field i mean if you suck enough and you get down and then you've only got a little candy left and it's all gum then you get all the gum but a little tiny crunch with full gum these are major decisions right major so when crypto came into being there are a bunch of companies right we, we reviewed a documentary about it people were into bitcoin we're taking bitcoin at this ballpark we are going to be ahead of the curve you want to pay your season tickets in bitcoin we'll take it i once spoke to our cfo about crypto and i said listen here's how it's going to work we're not taking it and if anyone wants to ever give us crypto we are going to convert it to US dollars so fast your head's gonna spin. And they would say, no, you're crazy, right? You're gonna make a ton of money, leave it. Get Bitcoin, get a blockchain. You better not lose the password. You better not die in your family not knowing the password. So, all teams are looking for fixed revenue. All of a sudden, these crypto companies are coming out and they're saying, hi, I'm Scott Rostein. I'm a lawyer, but I want to sponsor you for $5 million a year. Hi, I'm Bernie Madoff. Would you like to give me your money? Hi, my name is FTX. I'd like to give you money, Miami. Hi, I'm Crypto.com. Listen, I want to name the Staples Center. I'll give you $700 million over 20 years. Hi, I'm Coinbase. I'm going to do a commercial that'll cost $7 million. It'll be 30 seconds. There'll be a QR code. Remember that ridiculousness? Like click the QR code that was bouncing around the screen, that ridiculous ad. I remember watching that thinking, I'm not touching that. I'm going to get hacked. By the way, my Facebook side note again, Coca, my Facebook messenger got hacked because I was at a the unveiling for my sister and father on Sunday. And then my sister sent me a Facebook message which says another person died. Did you see the video of this? We know this person. So my head was in the death arena. And so I clicked it, game over. Now everyone's getting messages from me saying, hey, did you know that this person died? Click the video. General rule of thumb that I've got to start learning, but it's hard as a boomer, don't click anything. Just don't. Anyway, so these crypto companies have all sorts of cash because the market's great. It's like when your 401k is high and you feel you're rich and you've got all the consumer confidence in the world that you're going to go on a purchasing spree 
or you get a tax refund that you didn't expect. You're like, oh my God, I'm not going to pay down debt. I'm going to go buy a Game Boy or a game console, it must be called now. I'm going to buy new wheels for my car. So the crypto companies had all this money. They go to these sports teams and it's so seductive. When you've got a company that comes up to you and offers you something that's too good to be true, the general rule is that means it's not true. So Staples Center gets approached, right? And they say, hey, 700 million, over 30 million a year in naming rights. You've got the Clippers. You've got the Lakers. You've got the Kings. You've got the Sparks. If you've got the time, we've got the beer. Miller beer. They signed the deal so fast. How's it going now with crypto.com? What do you do? What do you do if you've signed a huge sponsorship deal with a company that you know is a fly-by-night situation, except you convince yourself it's not, and then all of a sudden they're laying off people, the market is in the crapper, and you are worried about getting paid? Guess what? You have a contract with that company. The Staples Center has to be called crypto.com land or whatever it's called until they don't pay. Then in the contract that you sign with your naming rights partner, there is a cure period. A cure period is when you call the company, hey, it's David. I just wanna remind you that you owe us 30 large. And Mr. Russell Westbrook still gets his paycheck every two weeks. I grant you he sucks. But let me tell you, we got to pay him. And Bronny too. Yeah, we know we owe you the money. We'll be right back to you. We're just having some concerns right now. But I promise you, this market's turning around. You got to double down. You got to believe in cryptocurrency. You got to be like Coinbase, man. They've been around 10 years and all these other people, we're going to be around. We're hiring people, not firing people. Meanwhile, they're all firing people, all of them. So crypto says, don't worry, we'll pay. When you're the Lakers, you have no choice but to say, okay, you have to get through the cure period. 30 days later, you ask for the money. They still haven't paid. Do you start taking the signage down? Do you change the name? What's your remedy? If crypto.com goes bankrupt, guess what the Lakers have to do? They have to go out into the market and find another company to be their naming rights sponsor because they're never gonna see that money, ever. Because guess what the assets are for these companies? In a bankruptcy, the judge says, hey, sell your assets. You own a building, you own a house, you own intellectual property, you own equipment, we're selling it all. That's like if you can do research into a company, like a, a smaller company on the stock market, and let's say that their stock price is $4, but you know very well that if they go bankrupt and they sell everything they have, that will generate enough cash times the number of shares that that should really be $5, which means the stock should be at $5, which means you buy it. Because under all scenarios, you're going up 25%. Four to five is 25%. What assets does crypto.com have? So the Lakers will have to go out and resell it. And so their expected revenue going forward, instead of being 30 million a year, they're gonna get a deal for smaller, let's say 20 million a year. Or let's say they get 40 million a year because they find another company, ridiculous as it may seem, who will pay more. Wait a minute, that's interesting. 
Do you know that if you run a company and you believe that you can have someone pay more for what you're have for what you're giving now to a current company, you do everything you can to get out of that deal? That's like landlords trying to get rid of tenants because they know rents are going up and they want those tenants not to renew because a new tenant will pay more than an old tenant with a rent increase or with a guaranteed rent increase, which is why a lot of landlords are doing short-term deals at the moment because rents were going up so much post-COVID. Everybody who has expected revenue at any level is trying to replace that with more revenue. They're trying to protect their downside, of course, make sure they don't get less, but they're always trying to get more. I find it all fascinating. Crypto.com has like fired 5% of their workforce. Coinbase hired a bunch of people, fired them before they could start. All these companies are in the crapper and they are in bed with sports. It's like a Ponzi scheme. It's a Fagazi, Matthew McConaughey. So where does this end? The crypto craze of sports sponsorships is over. Companies need to do better. Sports teams need to be smarter. But it's so seductive to get that extra money now because you feel like we've done it. We've outfoxed the wolves. Let's see what happens. I mean, crypto.com's everywhere. They did deals with Formula One. They're, they give the Sixers $10 million a year. Josh Harris. Josh Harris and David Blitzer can't afford to buy any team because of all the money they get from crypto. I'm just kidding. Of course they can. Speaking of affording, what's one of the things that you hear a lot when you hear about debates or you listen to politicians? There's a code word, right? Have you ever heard the term affordable housing? Affordable housing is government subsidized housing. It is just in theory, you want to be able in your country or in your community to be able to provide shelter to people, not a homeless shelter. I'm talking about people who are working, lower class, upper lower class, lower middle class, where there is housing available, like not in Silicon Valley, not in certain parts of New York, where you can live. The general rule in New York, for those of you who are in New York, by the way, like coca, some people spend up to 50% of their salary on rent. That should be the maximum. If your rent is more than 50% of your take home, then you need to move. Ideally, you wanna be in the 30% range and that would be fine. But as rents are going up and people are not making as much money and they're not making any money with their investments or in their portfolios, all of a sudden you've got panic and you've got a terrible cycle and that's what a bear market is. But eventually the bear will turn, will turn bull. Affordable housing is done by rich people who are incentivized to build affordable housing by the government with tax breaks and other such payments because real estate people who build apartment buildings, they don't wanna be in the affordable housing business, but for the profit they make from the government. And if the government is not going to give them that incentive or that all of the different tax breaks for the rest of their business, which is not affordable housing, they're gonna take a hard pass. 
all of the stadium deals recently, there's been an affordable housing component. Remember the Inter-Miami where there's a question, do, do, do the Moss and Beckham group who own Inter-Miami here in Miami, there in Miami, are they willing to put affordable housing in Freedom Park? In Oakland, they've been trying to get a new stadium in Oakland or in Vegas forever. I told you on nothing personal, they're not moving to Vegas. I told you they're going to get a deal done in Oakland. They have been working hard to get a deal done around the Howard Terminal. And it includes all sorts of development. Because given the price tag for stadiums these days, the ancillary development is critical to making the numbers work. Ancillary development means whether it's a hotel, whether it's retail, whether it's office space, whether it's housing, something that generates income that is outside the definition of the income that you have to share with other teams in your league. So if you've developed a whole area like the Ricketts family in Chicago developed Wrigleyville or the Lerner family in Washington developed around their ballpark or the Marlins developed around Little Havana, well, no, they didn't do that, but all of that development does not count for revenue sharing purposes. So Oakland, when they are trying to make this deal, they understand that all of this development they're going to do, but the government is saying to them, we want you to do affordable housing as a component. And Oakland is saying, well, no, we can't do that because we're counting on the revenue from this development to pay for our participation in this stadium. So if you want us to build an arena privately so you can stand up and not lose your job and say, I am the mayor of Oakland or the council person, and we've done it, we've gotten John Fisher, the rich gap guy, to build a stadium with his own money. What they're not telling you is that all the money they're making from all the other things you gave to them, which are the same thing as the public investing in the stadium, that is how they can make the numbers work and build a stadium without taking public money for the stadium. The argument going on in Oakland right now is that the government wants part of the development at the Howard Terminal to be affordable housing, and the owner of Oakland is saying, not me, you can't take up square feet. You can't make me do this affordable housing at a percentage higher than I'm willing to do unless you pay for it. And Oakland is saying no. It's just a negotiation. And can you believe that it's people's lives, it's people's shelter, it's a roof over people's head. And you know what they are or you are to owners of teams and to politicians. You are votes and you are numbers on a spreadsheet. That's it. Good luck in Oakland, but guess what? Fisher's gonna give in and do more affordable housing than he wants. But it's definitely an issue. All right, when we come back, do we need to go to break, Coca? Oh my God, we only have 15 minutes left? Sorry, Coca. We come back. We got to review the concert I went to and then the movie I watched about the concert and the fact that George Orwell is alive and well. And we're going to talk a little NBA, too. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. 
Ramps business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramps software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. Thank you for getting through the gauntlet of commercials and rating, reviewing, following, subscribing, doing something on Apple. By the way, if you have any questions, we're doing a bunch of mailbag episodes. I'm going to record them before I go to Africa. So if you don't mind... Uh, tweet at me or go to Apple and write a review and put a question in there because I'm going to be answering a ton of questions. I've gotten quite a few, but I need more. All right, so I went to Coldplay, and I'd never been to a Coldplay concert. I absolutely fell in love with it. I want to go see them again. It was like such an experience. I didn't know their music very well except La Vida Loca or Live in La Vida Vida or, or, or whatever it was. I'm going to check all my movies, and there... Right in front of me, for the first time ever on Amazon, was movie suggested for you, right in the left front-hand slot, Coldplay, A Head Full of Dreams. Did they know I searched Coldplay on YouTube? That's possible. Did they know that I had a ticket on my phone for Coldplay? That's possible. Were they there at the concert with me? That's possible. All I know is, this movie was from 2018. I thought it was current. I thought that there was a brand new documentary about Coldplay that just came out. So I go to click it. It's an hour and 40 minutes, 44 minutes, and it's from 2018. And I'd never heard of it. I'd never seen it. And then it appeared. I'm not scared because I love the minority report like efficiency when Tom Cruise walks into a store and his eyes get red. You have not bought jeans in 42 days. Your size 29 in black, which I know you haven't bought ever, is located in aisle four and it'll be waiting for you. That's creepy, but boy, is it efficient. So the Coldplay documentary goes through the start. Coldplay videoed everything. They, they started in the late 90s, so there was video available. And this is a movie showing how they started, how they evolved, what it means to go from nothing to something. And my takeaway from Coldplay, A Head Full of Dreams, is that Chris Martin was going to be a superstar. He was going to be the leader of a successful band. He willed it into existence. Because when you combine will, hard work, talent, and enough luck and knowing what to do with that luck, your dreams can come true. I would watch the Coplay documentary because it's such behind the scenes footage that if it's an older band, you wouldn't get because times were different. But this is like watching home movies. They were taking home movies of their start. I was fascinated by it. Totally fascinated by it. Okay, I watched the Warriors game last night. Did you? That was something. Steph Curry did not hit a three-pointer, and the Warriors still covered, so we are 71-54. and 54. What's crazy about that is Steph Curry had hit a three-pointer in every game since 2018. His whole career, like 568 games, he has not hit a three-pointer in only nine of them, 
we're talking about the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. And when he doesn't hit a three-pointer and you're Boston, you got to win that game. The equivalent is when you're in baseball and you're facing the ace. Let's say you're facing Max Scherzer or Jacob deGrom, and for whatever reason you get six runs in the first inning. You've got to win that game because something has happened so out of the ordinary that if you don't take advantage of it, then you are going to rue that moment that day. For the Celtics not to take advantage of Curry missing all nine of his three-point attempts. Now, Andrew Wiggins had a great game, et cetera. Clay Thompson had a bunch of three-pointers. I, I get it. But the fact is, Steph Curry in game six, even though it's in Boston, I guarantee you that he's going to have at least four three-pointers. As a matter of fact, Coco, we're adding a wait to see right now. Steph Curry will have four three-pointers or more in game six on Friday, Thursday. Sorry, Coca. Will you book that wait to see, please? All right, so we're 71 and 54. Philadelphia Phillies fired Joe Girardi, and don't makes me happy. Watching Joe Girardi watch the Phillies go nine and one. Watching the Phillies have fun. Watching the Phillies do everything they were supposed to do when they were put together by Dombrowski, even though I still think that they're not going to be as good as Atlanta or the Mets. But the reality is they're doing this post-managerial firing sort of amazing run. Beat the Marlins last night. They got the Marlins again. They're going to win again. The Marlins with their great rotation. They Oh, did you see what happened to Sandy Alcantara yesterday? Coca doesn't want me to talk about it because it's Marlins. But just a general thing that as a front office we focus on. Could you please not hurt your throwing hand? Just I'm asking. Sandy Alcantara got taken out of a game and then the reliever gave up the hit. And so he got charged runs and the Marlins eventually lost. He didn't get the win. He's on a guaranteed contract, so it doesn't much matter. But the reality is that he got to the dugout and was slamming his hand against the dugout bench. I tweeted about this, and if you're not on Twitter, please get on Twitter and follow me at David P. Sampson. We got to catch Cannell. I, 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 there's no way that Cannell, Danny Cannell, has 350,000 followers, and I've got 10% of that. Come on. It's outrageous. Although he was a professional football player, and he's strappingly handsome and tall and young. Maybe that's why it is. So Sandy Alcantara used his hand, and I said on Twitter, I would go to that player and scold him, but not last night. When a player goes through a bad thing, you do not approach them the night of that game. You just punch him on the tushy, and then you see him the next day. But right now, Don Mattingly and Kim Ang are going to talk to Sandy Alcantara and say, listen, don't ever do that again. An agent will go to his player and say, don't do that again if that player is on a year-to-year contract. Sandy got that $50 million long-term deal from the Marlins in the offseason. Believe me, Sandy's agent did not call him and say, hey, watch out for your right hand, because the agent could care less if his right hand actually breaks, because he got the contract. Okay. Let's do a uh, update, quick update. Do you remember we talked about Josh Donaldson? I'm going to talk about the appeals process in baseball. It's pretty good. So do you know how when people get suspended for a bench-clearing brawl or for throwing at somebody, they always say, 
He got suspended for five games, but he's going to appeal so he can play until the appeal is heard. Do you know who hears the appeal? A guy I worked with for a bunch of years, his name is John McHale. John McHale is a MLB employee who sits there and all of a sudden you go up to him in a hearing-like setting, sort of, and you tell him your side, and then he just decides. Yeah, well, I think that instead of five games, you should get four games. Instead of two games, you should get one game. Instead of one game, you should get one game. It's the most ridiculous process ever, literally, literally. Josh Donaldson is the player who said those things. I'm trying to remember what he said, Coca, and I'm completely blanking. Oh, about Tim Anderson. He called Tim Anderson Jackie. Remember he got the one-game suspension? I told you he was going to get suspended. It was a pelt. I had on 524 a wait to see. The wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm going to revisit it. On May 24th, I said Donaldson will lose his appeal. He did. The one-game suspension was going to be the one-game suspension. Of course, the arbitrator, or the, he's really not an arbitrator. It's really not even a hearing. He just hears. He interviews. John McHale does, and he looks at tapes or whatever he does, and just, you know, out of nowhere, in consultation with the commissioner's office, by the way. Shh. You can't tell anyone that. Don't tell anyone that it's not partial because no one would want to hear that. That'd be so mean. That'd be so terrible that you go to an appeal and it's not by a partial arbitrator. Oh my God, that's horrific. But he does lose a game of pay. But John McHale said, you're fine of 10 grand. We're going to make it five grand. Way to go, Josh. You won. So that's the end of him. So the wait to see today is about Tony La Russa. Every day the White Sox, even though they won last night, every day the White Sox have a problem. Whether it's La Russa in the clubhouse, on the field. Yesterday, Lance Lynn had a hissy fit in the dugout. Not uncommon for players to get angry in the dugout. We talked about Sandy. We talked about players who fight in the dugout, have problems in the dugout. Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago White Sox, does not think that what happened in the dugout yesterday is worthy of Tony La Russa being fired. But when you add up all of the things that are going on in Chicago, starting with the lack of performance, ending with the clubhouse discord, which we told you was there last season, you put it all together, you mix it up, and you've got to do what you don't do, Jerry. But I think this year you do. Wait to see. Tony LaRusso will not make it through the season. There is an implosion going on on the south side that is staggering. I mean, there's bad baseball on the north side too with the Cubs, but what's going on on the south side, they are now six games behind the Minnesota Twins. And what's worse is the team that everyone thought was going to be terrible this year, the Cleveland Indians, they are ahead of the White Sox. Uh, the Guardians. God damn it, Coca. It's the Guardians. Old habits die hard. The Cleveland Guardians have a better record than the Chicago White Sox. That may be reason enough to get rid of Tony La Russa. Baseball spends so much time worrying about so many things. We'd be in meetings, and there'd be a conversation on our in our competition committee 
about bench clearing brawls. And we would be talking about how to avoid them, not because owners don't want the fighting on Sports Center. It's because owners don't want players getting hurt. Because a hurt player is being paid at his major league rate while not performing. So you've got to pay that player. And on top of that, you have to pay a replacement player. But we would always say that we just, it's not good for the kids to see. It's not, you don't need to settle anything with fisticuffs. And all of these leagues have done things, right? Hockey did a bunch of things to try to curb fighting. The NBA changed its rules in a way that was fascinating because they didn't want any of these kerfuffles. And they changed it by saying, if you leave the bench, it's an automatic suspension. I proposed something in the middle of the meeting one time which is I didn't want my bullpen guys running in from the bullpen. So I proposed one of two things. Either the bullpen guys can fight with each other right outside the bullpen, so both bullpens don't have to run all the way into the pitcher's mound or behind the plate, and they run all the way back to the bullpen. I didn't like the delay in the game. I didn't like the fact that they run in side by side and then start fighting once they're in the scrum. I just said either let them fight when they are there in the bullpen or if they leave the bullpen and take one step on the field they're automatically suspended unappealable period one game suspension and i was told you can't suspend the whole bullpen what happens i said the nba dealt with this all the time if you've got 10 people leave the bench you suspend them three for one game three for the next game three for the next game you don't suspend all 10 then there'd be no players you could suspend one bullpen guy a day for 10 days. And the good news is the way you would do that as the team president is you would pitch that bullpen guy, then let him serve the suspension. That's how we would game the system when a pitcher gets suspended, which is why starting pitchers are generally suspended five games because they'd miss one turn in the rotation. Think about it. It's so ridiculous. If you suspend a starting pitcher for three games, then he pitches, then serves the suspension, and he's back, and he pitches. He hasn't missed a turn. But still, I would suspend or let them fight within the bullpen. The other rule that I would change is that I would say if you leave the dugout during a dust-up, you are suspended. Let's just start with the players on the field. But I said, let's go one step further. If you leave your position, you're suspended. A batter's position is in the batter's box. A pitcher's position is in the mound. If you leave the batter's box to rush the mound, automatic suspension. If you have hit the batter and you stay on the mound and you do not throw a punch, you're not suspended. I wanted to give a laundry list of very clear rules. So there's no appeals. There's no independent, not arbitrator. You just know exactly what you get. But baseball didn't want to hear it, Coca. And now they've gone so far that they want to fine their minor league clubs who have bench clearing brawls. I don't want my minor leaguers getting hurt either. But think about how stupid this is. Major League Baseball, a report came out yesterday that if your minor league team gets into a bench clearing brawl or a bench clearing incident, that the major league team, wait for it, they're gonna be fined $500. <laughs> If I got that memo from Commissioner Selig, 
or Commissioner Manford, I wouldn't even tell my director of player development about it. $500? Come on. $500,000? I'm making a phone call. And I'm firing people if there's a bench-clearing incident in the minor leagues. You want to get rid of something, you got to have consequences. When you make decisions running your business, it's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.